It also might feel good uh, to feed into a compensation in your swing, right? But it doesn't mean that that's going to be the best thing for you. People don't really know, like they don't know what's making them successful and they don't know what's making them not successful and like in like clear direction of what they need to work on. And you can work as hard as you want, but if you're, you know, again, running down the wrong road or, you know, you're in the wrong forest, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. For example, like for me, whenever I'm watching, I always just see if they're on time, if they're stable, if they're just giving themselves a chance to move, create force through the pitch. But I look for force production, space, and directions. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Rapsodo, Measure to Master. Rapsodo brings powerful insights into every pitch to help players and coaches improve their performance through real data. On this episode of The Farm Unfiltered, Bo and I talk through what's going on at spring training, what guys need to think and what moves they're trying to create, and how that matches up with their player profile. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Bo and Joe. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Rapsodo, Measure to Master. Rapsodo brings powerful insights into every pitch to help players and coaches improve their performance through real data. On this episode of The Farm Unfiltered, Bo and I talk through what's going on at spring training, what guys need to think and what moves they're trying to create and how that matches up with their player profile. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad. Here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to the farm unfiltered. Joey, glad to be back, be back on the air with you to talk some baseball. And uh, one thing I wanted to dive into today and open up a little bit with spring training starting is see some of these clips of these guys uh, working on some things and trying to create some fills and, I saw a tweet that uh, you sent out last night talking about, um, you know, working on this and how sometimes it doesn't match their movement profile and how that can be dangerous. So why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off by opening up your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, that's the greatest part of spring training. Absolutely. Is that you get to see all these guys come back. You get to see what they've been working on um, there and during their off season. Um, you know, again, always very interesting with that. I mean, obviously spring training is a big time, 
for not only uh, player development, but also, you know, when guys have been already been working on things going in. So some of it has to do with what the player wants to feel. And some of it has to do with uh, what the staff is trying to get them. You know, obviously they come back, they have a meeting with their uh, coaches again, kind of going over, you know, what role, especially sometimes it happens later. These meetings happen later in spring training. And sometimes they happen right off the bat, like, Hey, you know, you're an MLB vet, you know, this is what we're looking from, uh, from you, you know, this year, this is what we'd like you to embrace, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, again, it just, it's the very dependent, but with that being said, I think there's, that's very interesting to me when I watch some of these guys going through some of these fields is, um, one thing, um, kind of the start is there's a lot of guys that things that, you know, how like there's that old saying is just like, you know, if it feels good, like do it or, you know, stuff like that. But also we know that too, like, okay, it might feel good to stuff your face with freaking Twinkies. Doesn't mean that you should do it. Right. <laughs> it also might feel good, uh, to feed into a compensation in your swing. Right. But it doesn't mean that that's going to be the best thing for you. You know, sometimes we actually, we know we actually need to do the opposite. We need to do the things just like, okay, like we don't want to work out, right? Well, you need to work out because in the long term, that's better for you, right? <laughs> so like, it's kind of the same thing too. Not saying that, uh, you know, some guys really enjoy working out and, and whatever, you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is sometimes we need to do things that we don't want to do because that's what's best for us, right? Yeah. And so um, some guys, um, you know, there's very strength and power is very plain specific. I think I've mentioned that before. And if it's very plain specific, we need to know what planes that we're strongest in. Okay. And what planes that we're the most powerful in strength and power are different, right? So there's one plane that I might have the most stability in, right? Which would come back to like maybe strength. You can correlate that there, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's other planes that I might be the most powerful in now there's obviously some planes i'm gonna be strong and powerful right um but there is planes that you're gonna be more powerful and not have uh so much strength in. like there's some planes that you have a lot of strength and you're very stable but it doesn't mean you can produce produce a large amount of force in short windows mm -hmm. right so let me flesh that out so what i'm trying to say is that if we don't know as a as a player if you don't know what is actually making you successful you could be running down, um, you know, you could be running, running down the wrong road that ends at a dead end, right? Like you can run down a road and it might make you semi-successful and it might lead you somewhat towards where you need to go, like maybe in a, the same general direction, but maybe that road isn't complete, right? There's a dead end. You should have took the other road. The other road leads all the way to your destination, right? And so sometimes we can run down these roads uh, thinking like, oh, I'm still heading, you know, generally north, right? And it might be north, right? And it might be right towards where we need to go. Uh, but the only problem is, is we don't know that that road ends to a dead end for how I currently move, right? Mm -hmm. um, so again, let's let's do like a specific example, right? So um, I, again, have never, never worked with um, um, Donaldson, for example, right? I know guys that have worked with Donaldson. I know that he's worked with multiple coaches uh, throughout the, the last couple of years. Um, obviously, um, one that's very known is, uh, is Tukes. Um, but with that being said, you know, uh, one thing with me is I'm watching him during his offseason. Um, I've mentioned this to a couple different staffs, but I, I think with him, you know, one of his biggest compensations is he wants to spin and rotate. Like that's his that's his name of his game. If you look at his power numbers, you look at everything. He's like in the last like 
three seasons, I think he's hit, you know, just a handful of home runs to the right, the right uh, side of the field. Everything's pool side. Um, also too, I used to fall in love with Donaldson's moves, uh, back in the day, uh, when I used to watch him move, uh, before I kind of knew some different ways of creating force other than how he was creating force. Um, again, obviously freak athlete. Um, he also has, you know, really athletic, um, create, you know, a ton of force. He can create a ton of force. He can miss hit balls at 95 miles an hour. He can do some things that, you know, other guys that are moving just like him are just not going to be able to do. Um, he also as a, you know, I, again, I, I guarantee if you test like all these other things, if you tested, you know, his eyes, I'm sure his eyes are, you know, crazy just because of how much movement he has, he has to have, you know, be able to do that much movement and that much head movement. Um, you know, he has to do some things that he's able to track uh, balls at high rates of speed and change in direction, um, which is also not something that everybody just assumes that, oh, well, this guy, he's in the big leagues. Of course he has good eyes, or of course he has good this, you know, we have, professional athletes all the time that we take in and we actually test their eyes and do all that stuff at one of our labs. And you'll be shocked how many, um, discrepancy between pro to pro what's different. Every pro Mm -hmm. has a reason why they're successful, a different mixture, right? Like maybe this guy moves really well. Maybe this guy has really good eyes. Maybe this guy has really good, um, stability or has really good ball striking skills because of that. Right. Um, and there's also other guys that maybe don't ball strike as well, but they have more power, right? Like let's say like a Joey Gallo or something like that, right? He can miss hit a ball, still hit a home run. And then there's some guys that have a little bit of ball striking, but also um, a bit of power as well, right? So like those guys can miss hit balls um, and, you know, they, they miss hit balls uh, less often, but they also can miss hit them or they can hit them with power when they catch it as well. So like there's a mixture of like all these things, the eyes, the, um, the decision training and the um, proprioceptive, like again, spatial awareness, uh, proprioception, you know, and when you mix all of those things together and you kind of come up with a mixture of what makes somebody individually better, it's like some guys always want to throw it in like one bucket, like, if you look at like Barry Bonds and you say, oh man, the only reason he's successful is was because of his swing. Like you're crazy. Like yeah. you're crazy. Like that man has, you know, there's a, a hall of famer is not a hall of famer just because of how he moves. That's like, that's only part of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, moving well is, you know, obviously a prerequisite to be one of the best in the game. Um, but with that being said, there is a lot of guys uh, that you, you know, that move well, that still, they got a, they got a pretty swing that doesn't hit. You know, yep. so um, you got a lot of that, that stuff as well. And so um, it's very interesting. Everything always comes back to the movements um, as being a prerequisite. But there's obviously if you want to be one of the known as one of the best ever and basically the code of baseball, there's got to be some other things going on. So, yeah. um, you know, and obviously I know someone in the backgrounds over there like coughing and yelling the word steroids. But let's <laughs> let's also let's also snip that in the butt and just say there's a whole bunch. And obviously, like, Bo, you and I both know there's a ton of players that I've known that have taken stuff um, that were <laughs> nowhere good, near good. So Absolutely. there's a whole bunch of guys that at one point that were taking stuff that um, were terrible. So again, is it just his steroids and just how he moved? No, uh, absolutely not. All right. And yeah. so there's a lot more things going on that made him as great as he was. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the same can be said for multiple guys across the league, but, you know, um, just kind of starting us off though, that, that would be kind of my, my general, um, analysis of there's certain guys again, like, like when we talk about, um, with Donaldson, my like guys like that, that are very spinny would 
in in my opinion, would be very beneficial for him to do things that were countering that rotation, so mm-hmm. that he could be more stable in those ranges. Um, he he's one of those guys that is uh, very that has a large level of power production, right? Force production, mm-hmm. force production. You know, we talk about three things at one hundred eight. We talk about force production, space, and direction. And when it comes to force production, he marks that he marks that move. He also has some pretty good spacing moves, but they, I, in my opinion, they could be better. And then also um, it, where he really lacks, in my opinion, a lot of times is direction and yeah. not, not because again, and look, look, you don't need to check mark all of these three check marks to go, wow, this guy, but yeah, but he's one of the best hitters in, in baseball. Well, first off, he was one of the best hitters in baseball, right? In the last couple of years, he struggled a little bit, right? Um, yeah. Obviously there's some injuries on there as well. But with that being said, even when he was at his peak and even when he was um, uh, an MVP, he was better at a lot of these things. But I, th- I still think that there's more uh, potential and there's more things that, um, you know, even JD could get better at, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to some of those concepts um, and just movements that could be better. But when it comes to force production, that man is off the charts, which is uh, why he has the ability to do um, what he what he can do because of the moves that he makes to create that force. So yeah. um yeah, that would be kind of my my start, uh the intro of that bow. So um this next question I have for you will probably be open ended and probably it depends, which it does. A lot of it will be um on the player's ability to make adjustments versus you know how stable they are in their movements. But at one point at what point in this player development process do um whoever these guys are working with, do they formulate a plan to either match a player's profile versus a plan to repattern? that movement profile what what are you looking for there yeah i think i think there's some bigger things here i mean i think when we actually you know obviously we talked a couple episodes ago we talked about the main component being time right how much time do i have so that's where that's what worries me again when i watch at some of these guys when they're going through some of these movements is i don't think they have the time right so what that means is like let's say a guy to me in my opinion there's certain moves uh, that take much more time um, to show a guy if he's very far down one road, right? You got to walk him all the way back from that road that he was on. Then you got to teach him the new movement and start. Not only do you have to start on a new road, but you have to build the road. <laughs> and that's different. When you have to build a road, it's different. Like if a guy has done a movement before, that's called, um, that's called um, you know, transfer, mm-hmm. uh, motor pattern transfer. That's different. Right. If you're just transferring, which meaning you've done the movement before, like, okay, let's say you used to play a different sport or used to have a different swing and, you know, you're just kind of awakening that pattern. Right. You you could do that in a very short period of time. Right. Um, Now, if you are um, in that same sense, if you are now not doing that, but you are going into more the side of like you're you're building a new pattern. Right. Like you're doing a movement that this guy has never moved. Right. So not only do you need to um, create this road. Right. But also you need to like service it. You need to pave it. You need to make it, um, you need to like, again, maybe you, if you want to drive, you have to like create force down that road. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to make it stable. So again, like if you think of like a road, maybe it's like we keep with that analogy, like guardrails or whatever, right. To keep it like with you within the confines of this road, maybe it's only, um, maybe it's again, like making it tighter and tighter where it's more like you, like in a bumper car where you're, you're staying within a really tight range, 
all the mm-hmm. time um, to make it where again you find that path and you're uh, you stay on path uh, really often because you're being guided like maybe like a train track right where you're getting stuck on a, on a straight train track it's keeping you on path rather than having so much freedom to bounce around within that that movement pattern and then so I think I think with uh, a lot of these the the thing that scares me is again I I bowed at mean to be kind of frank is I don't think um, when it comes to that I don't think a lot of people understand um what makes certain guys great they just kind of compare them to another athlete and say oh well you're not doing this or this guy does this and it'd be great if you did this if your finish looked like this or if you're if you moved your hands like this have you seen you know when this happened or they they watch these swings and i think um and also too on the same end we have to do that for professional athletes all the time because we have even at our our highest athletes that we have come in they come in with ideas of what they would like their swing uh to look like right they come in with ideas like oh i saw this guy you know again i saw i was watching uh bregman swing and you know this is something he does in his movements that i'd like to have in mind um sometimes those moves are absolutely you know amazing for that guy right maybe that's exactly what he needs to feel right Mm -hmm. and then maybe sometimes they come in and they want to do this move and i'm like dude like all right listen you're twice the size of bregman right you're, you know, or you're doing this or you have a completely different movement profile. Maybe he's more, uh, Bregman's more East West. Maybe it's a guy that's very, has a lot more strength, uh, North South. Right. And when I'm talking about East West and North South, I'm talking about, um, which, how, how like balls they hit in those planes more often. So if you think of somebody that is, uh, more East West is like Barry Bonds, right. Mm-hmm. He's very East West. He, his barrel is flat most of the time, yeah. right. When he's hitting baseballs. Uh, and now when you think of somebody like North South is more like, uh, someone, when you think of like Chris Bryan or like, you know, Gallo guys like that, right. Mm-hmm. The guys that are like, uh, you know, like Freddie Freeman guys that are basically kind of looks like they're doing an uppercut, like a yeah. majority of their swings. Uh, my trout, my trout is again, an, another notable North South guy, which is why those guys usually struggle with balls up in the zone mm-hmm. and it doesn't. And see, this is what, this is what people misinterpret too. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean because a guy is north south um, that he can't do east west moves. It just means that usually um, guys that do that they they don't have as much strength in that other plane. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, Mike Trout like there's videos, there's absolutely videos, and there's balls that he hits that are at the top of the zone. He just doesn't have the same level of production as he does his balls lower in the zone, right? Mm-hmm. And that um, in my interpretation again, I've never worked with Trout personally, but. Uh, with my interpretation of that would be the same thing too, that he's much stronger because he's been doing that. If you watched his high school clips, he's been doing that swing since he was in high school, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very similar North South swing. So he's built up force and, and uh, force production and also has learned how to create space and also has learned how to create direction with balls lower in the zone. Right. So then all of a sudden, um, you know, again, like he's he's not as good with pitches up in the zone, which obviously hasn't slowed him down too much, Bo. I mean, he's yeah. top three and MVP vote every single year. <laughs> um, but with that being said, um, you know, again, my my perception of his movement profile, uh, again, by watching probably millions of clips and watching him move. Uh, is just that the same thing too. He's much stronger in that north south plane. So if, if Mike Trout came in telling me he wanted to do a move uh, that was causing that is a east west move that is more for what how bregman moves right mm-hmm. um i would you know do my best obviously uh to hopefully have a relationship and rapport at this point that he's coming to me trusting me with giving him advice is that i would say hey like listen like i don't think that this move uh, matches up for how you move and i think that 
even if we got you to, again, match Mayweather's jab, I don't think that you're going to have the same amount of production as he has, right? Um, he's created force within that movement. He's learned how to create East-West moves. You know, um, even if guys too, sometimes they have a misinterpretation of what their swing is. They think that they're an East-West mover. They think that they're a North-South mover. But again, a lot of times they just don't understand the complexity of the movement. Um, and it's our job to kind of guide them and give them perspective. Um, almost like a, uh, okay, every player is like their own business, right? So if they're their own business, like if you're their hitting coach, you're like their business consultant, right? So they come to you and you got to tell them like, look, like, um, I understand, like, I understand why you think that, you know, you look over at, uh, Starbucks and you really, you know, you think that Starbucks has a great, you know, how they operate and you know how they have, for example, when I worked for planet fitness, we hired somebody from Starbucks and they're very high up in their organization. And when they had first came over it, like, okay, so Starbucks, usually a regional manager for Starbucks can, you know, handle 15 to 16 locations, right? Yeah. Something like that, right? Now, uh, a Planet Fitness, like even our largest, like our largest number of regionals that would, we, we'd cover like maybe seven, maybe seven, eight clubs, maybe, right? Mm -hmm. So if somebody from Starbucks came over and go, oh, look, that looks great. Like, why would we hire more regionals? Why wouldn't we just have one regional look over 15 locations? Well, again, that's like, that's like looking at it without context right? We don't understand what is making Planet Fitness successful in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. We don't understand what's going on in the business. We don't understand why we need what we need and why it's set up the way it is. So we have to first get context. We first have to understand what is making them successful first. Then we come in and once we understand what's making them successful, then we can start formulating um, like a, a what we think would make that business more successful. But just because, you know, one thing made one business successful. Okay. So like, you know, again, but let's say, let's say like this, if, um, you know, let's say Google, Google spends probably a ton of money on research and development, right? Yeah. Research and development. How can we get better? How we can be bigger, blah, 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 blah. Right. If, uh, you know, again, a mom and pop down the street, that's creating a um, search engine company. If they're spending all their money on search and development, especially if it's the same range, like, okay, let's say, let's just make up a number. Let's say that Google is spending, you know, 70% of their income on research and development, which I have no clue. And I hardly doubt that it's that big, but let's say it yeah. is right. Yeah. If the mom and pop just try to go off of what Google is doing right now and go, Oh, well they're doing 70%. We should, donate 70% of our money into research <laughs> and development. Well, the problem is, is first off, their 70% or whatever their money that they're spending um, is going to be much higher than yours. And also too, that business model doesn't work with how your business currently operates in the season that you are in. And the mm -hmm. same thing happens for a player, the same exact thing, right? There's times and there's places to do certain movements and to teach certain guys certain things, right? Mm -hmm. And so- some of these, some of these uh, guys, again, because they don't understand the full landscape. Like, there's no, there's no school for coaches. There's no, yeah. there's no player development school. You don't have to go get a degree to understand human movement. Like, you, there's not. You're, and even if you could, let's say, oh, someone says, well, yeah, but I got a kinesiology degree or I got a biomechanics degree. Well, that's great, but at the end of the day, that is not enough to be a good coach. Mm -hmm. It's not enough. It's not enough. Like, and also too, it's like you need to know much more than biomechanics to be a good coach. You need to know much more than, you know, kinesiology or, um, you know, again, like uh, how to run spreadsheets or how to run, you know, collect data. Like you need much more, much yeah. more. Right. So when you take all of that into consideration and you're actually, 
you know, looking into these things is I think sometimes more often than not that guys are just not, they're doing their best. They're doing what they can with what they have. Um, the only thing is, is I, I feel like, especially on the player development side, again, like uh, I tell guys this all the time, like I'm telling you, if you, if you need me to tell you about, you know, how to bake a cake or like what timing and like, you know, your oven's running a little hot or like what you need to do to adjust that or how to make a, you know, gourmet steak or something like that. Maybe Eugene can help you with that. He's good on the cooking side. But <laughs> when it comes to me, I have no freaking clue. If you ask me about some other stuff, you ask me about, I mean, 90% of else what's going on in the world. I have no clue. But when it comes to like player development, especially when it comes into the hitting side, that's just what I do. This is what mm -hmm. I do. Like, like, I'm not saying again that there's nobody. I'm not, you know, trying to like mark a thing of like, look how smart I am or like separate myself from like all these other player developments that I'm just frankly saying that this is that, that I can really help hitters. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, all I do is study movement all day long. I work for professional athletes and we do movement all day long. Um, one of the greatest coaches in the game right now is my mentor, which is Eugene. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, when it comes to player development and some of the things that uh, we're able to get hitters to do. And so when it comes into those, uh, when it comes into uh, that realm and it comes into uh, what guys are capable of, if you ask me how to bake a cake, I have no clue. But when I ask, when, you, when we talk about player movement and what creates production, that's something I know a little bit about, right? And so, um, in any case, so we have a lot. We have a lot more to learn when it comes to those things. But, but that also being said, um, I think more often than not, people just overestimate what how complex and dynamic the human body is. And mm -hmm. um, I think more often than not, um, you know, we we're doing, you know, again, we're just making decisions and just like always, I mean, we've been doing this for years. We make changes and coaches as we grow, we look back and go, man, that's why that wasn't working. And man, that's why I missed that guy. I could have made that guy, you know, if I would have had that guy now, I could have made him a productive player, but I, you know, I had him five years ago and, you know, I didn't have this information that I have now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it comes to those, when it comes to those things, um, you know, I think, I think that's the, the, the biggest issue is like right now, is that people don't really know, like they don't know what's making them successful and they don't know what's making them not successful and like, in like clear direction of what they need to work on. And you can work as hard as you want, but if you're, you know, again, running down the wrong road or, you know, you're in the wrong forest, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So I think, I think, you know, again, I know that was a, a long answer to your question, but uh, I think the first start of that is just like you were saying is like when you choose to, and when you don't choose to is, a you know you need to have a clear backing you have to have a clear assessment you got to watch how the person moves you got to understand how much time you have you got to figure out um you know becomes very um artistic in that way is that you know there's no there's no book that says okay when you know x plus y that always equals you know z right there's no book with that in player development like there's no no player that is that fits that formula right so like we need to understand that Every player is going to be different and we got to have, you know, we got to use um, sound judgment when it comes to these situations. And um, how do you know like guys with sound judgment is you actually look at, again, just like a business, like there's going to be things that come up that guys are going to have to make decisions. And you look at decisions that were made at certain times and you judge those decisions afterwards. Like how often do they make uh, sound judgments? on an often basis with, with players. Um, and also too, you know, we, we got to reflect on that. Like, you know, do we, we need to hold ourselves accountable just like they do in businesses. 
you hold ourselves accountable. Was that the best move for us to do at that time of the year? You know, now that I look back and we look over that, we look over our season, you know, we started playing with a timing mechanism in the middle of the season. And, you know, and then from that point, that player uh, hit horribly for the rest of the year. We have to take ownership in that. And then we have to evaluate that and say, okay, was that the best time for me to play with this timing mechanisms? Was that the best time for us to be to make that decision and, and to go that route? And I think, um, you know, again, obviously that's, especially as we start spending more and more money when it comes into player development, you know, people are going to be held accountable for their actions, which is good. That's, that's mm-hmm. how it should be. We know we, we have, we have million dollar people that have dedicated their whole lives to uh, playing a sport and have given up sacrifices on, you know, uh, tons of sacrifices to be where they are and on a daily basis or away from their families. And, uh, you know, and they've, we owe it to them to be well-informed and to educate ourselves and to sacrifice, you know, just as much, if not more, uh, to be in front of them every day and mentoring, uh, through that process. Yeah. Well, that's a great point there as well, because, um, it's an art and we need to educate ourselves. If I'm a coach listening in and, you know, I'm kind of questioning if I'm even doing this thing right. And obviously this comes with Phil, Sav, and like you mentioned, just molding and forming these players over a course of time, you kind of just get an eye for it. But if I'm trying to figure out if what I'm doing is right, what are some absolutes you look for to see, you know, if their movement pattern strong enough? For example, like for me, whenever I'm watching, um, I always just see if they're on time, if they're stable, if they're just giving themselves a chance to move um, and create force through the pitch. Uh, when you're when you're looking at a guy kind of analyzing their movement profile to see, you know, if it's good enough to go, what are some things that you're looking for? Some things, some things that I look for. Um, again, like I said, when I came back to one way, uh, the three that I look for, there's obviously a lot underneath this, but I look for force production, space, and direction. So I'll break those three down. I was actually writing quite a bit on those last night. So force production is pretty easy. Uh, it's just, again, how much force am I creating or capable of creating by the movements that I'm doing, right? So um, let's say this. Like there's certain guys, there's certain guys that absolutely need to do a leg lift. I mean, a leg kick or a very big move to create some power, right? There's certain guys that need to do that move. Like, um, you know, that's part of their force production. That Again, when you look at a holistic view, like right now, if Donaldson stopped doing his leg kick, and didn't change anything else. He's gonna he's gonna struggle. Yeah. He's he's gonna have issues. He's gonna lose a ton of force production. Right now, I'm not saying that if you didn't change other things along with it, that maybe you know, yeah, absolutely, maybe he could make some adjustments. Maybe he's a better hitter. Who knows? Maybe I I you know I I do believe so that there's a way that uh, I think that he could get back to the top with how he currently moves. I think he moves different now than how he used to move, just with injuries and him getting older. Right. Yeah. Um, I think he can move just because his movement profile has changed. I think that he should, his swing can make some adjustments to match those changes. Mm-hmm. Um, also to, um, now when it comes to, uh, when it comes to space, um, when we talk about space, we talk about like, um, you ever heard like the term, obviously guys talking about how they got like tied up, right? Ball keeps getting in on them. They got to like pull their hands inside of a whole bunch of stuff. They don't have room to work. Right. So space is the ability to, again, like to move freely into an open area and be able to clear my hands and clear my barrel right into a baseball. So um, there's a lot of things that go into that. Uh, that's very um, individualized for each individual athlete of how they're creating space and movements. There's there's 
also a ton of movements that guys do um, that are compensations to clear their hands. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different ways uh, for guys to do that. It just really depends on um, how the guy's moving into that position for what move they're going to usually go to um, if they're going to clear space. Um, and then the last word I always look into is, like I said, is direction. Um, when we look at direction, uh, direction is their ability to uh, – this is the hard thing about baseball. Baseball, not only do I need to hit the baseball hard, but I need to hit it hard within two lines. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. if I need to hit hard within these two lines, I need to have direction and specifically um, is more forward, right? More uh, linear in that, uh, that, that thought process. Uh, guys that have really good direction. Um, that's why it's very for like coaches. Uh, one thing, you know, old school coaches have been saying for forever, you know, again, guys that are like more gap to gap, right? If we have guys that are constantly, uh, if I'm, I'm, if I'm seeing guys, especially on our spray charts and stuff, that guys are hooking balls down the line all the time. You know, the more often they hit balls right down the line, that shows me that they have a direction problem, mm -hmm. right? Don't say that they're not having a force production. I, I didn't say it was a force production problem. I didn't say it was a spacing problem. Usually spacing and direction um, kind of go hand in hand though. Um, but um, when it comes to that though, is direction is you can really tell when guys have direction in their swing and they're actually, um, when they're segmented properly and they're using, um, you know, and the deceleration patterns and all those things are all linked together. You'll see guys that are working, uh, generally towards the middle of the field from gap to gap. And you'll see, um, and spray charts is actually funny. You'll see a, I, I see a common theme when I watch, uh, hitters hit, especially uh, really good hitters hit is you see, if you look at a spray chart, um, when they're hitting like batting practice and like actually training, you'll see like a, um, up, uh, well, I guess, matter. So you look at it, but it would be like a U on the spray chart and it will be from left center gap and it used towards the middle of the field. And then it goes to the right center gap. So usually what's happening with that is they're hitting line drives, the center field, right? And then they're hitting balls deep to left center and deep to right center, right? And all the way up in between, right? Gaps, singles, doubles, but usually working in that, in that gap range when guys are training, right? So, yep. uh, so that again, small things like that. I mean, obviously it's much more dynamic and individualized for uh, guys of what we're uh, exactly looking for. But those are things for me when I'm looking, I'm looking for uh, force production, space, and direction. Okay. And when you see, um, you know, you said there's a good correlation between direction and force production that you've seen. If you have a guy that's heavy pull side, like a Donaldson these last couple of years, he hit most of his home runs there. Um, if you get their direction going towards the middle of the field, do you see that increasing force production on every pitch or how can that sometimes correlate there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Very loaded question. Um, yeah. So yeah. this is the thing. Sometimes you can fix direction and lose force production. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so what happens, so what happens with that is that sometimes, um, you know, guys get guys working towards the middle of the field. Um, Coaches have been doing this forever. Again, there's probably other coaches, you know, throwing a party when I said, you know, that the working gap to gap because they have guys that are probably hooking balls for home runs to left field. Um, is this is the thing? Is you can if you don't change again, if you only change the direction and you don't holistically look at everything else that's going on, right, and what's being created, uh, you can absolutely hurt other areas of their game, right? Mm -hmm. There's you can fix direction and lose space and force production. Yeah. You can fix force production, right, and hurt spacing and direction. You can fix spacing and hurt your direction and force production, right? Mm -hmm. So 
So even though a lot of times guys gain uh, when 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 guys when we train guys to help them with direction, they usually gain space because we again when we go into these movements, there's a lot of movements that create all three, right? Or there is movements for certain guys that create force production, space, and direction, right? So mm-hmm. it really is looking at the movement profiles. But with that being said, that yeah, you if you do it, um, in, in my opinion, correctly. Um, there's a whole bunch of ways to get guys to be to gain direction. And then, yes, usually it will correlate with force production. Now, there is ways of doing it. And sometimes uh, guys get too linear uh, when it comes to like more of a push move or other things that they're trying to get the ball more directed in the middle part of the field. And because of that, when they start thinking um, in that way, um, they can lose a, a bunch of force production because everything starts becoming a push. Right. Mm-hmm. And I tell players all the time, there's a very big reason why we call it a swing and we don't call it a push. Right. The bat yeah. needs to be swung. It needs to be swung and released. Right. There is a rotational aspect. Right. To the swing. Right. Back in the day, there was that whole everybody was like, oh, I believe in a linear swing. Oh, I believe in a rotational swing. Like, no, there's linear and there's also rotational aspects to the swing. Mm-hmm. There's both. OK. But um, I think too far. um, you know, again, usually guys that are more linear, right? Back in the day, what guys were trying to do, guys that were more linear were more directional, okay? Mm-hmm. Guys that were more rotational were had more force production. But yeah. you don't need one without the other. There's ways to get, you know, again, every single guy, there's ways to get uh, them to move, right? That correlates with having, you know, um, and you, there's a scale of this. Don't really wrong. Like again, some guys are going to have more spacing than others. Some guys are going to have better direction than others. Some guys are going to have more force production than others. Right? There's just like it's like a grading scale, like as a as a scout, like it's the same same exact thing. Um, now, some again, how that weighs out and how they use those three different things are going to come into their production as a hitter, and then also when you take in all those other aspects, again, their mind, how they think, decision training, the eyes, all that stuff. Um, but with when it comes to those just those three when it comes to like how they're moving um like those are those are things that uh when you look into that that yes uh, i think there's absolutely ways uh for there to be a strong correlation when you uh pattern guys uh, that you're putting them in a position to gain all three of those when it comes to that um and usually when guys have better direction um they're hitting the ball more squarely more often the ball's more square to the center uh the barrel's more square to the the baseball for a longer period of time, which gives them a better opportunity, not only to hit the ball harder, but also hit the ball harder with better direction, with better spin, which mm-hmm. is better, very important. If a guy's hitting balls, a cooking balls to left field, um, even though if he's hitting the ball at hundred miles an hour, if the ball is constantly hooking uh, with side spin, he's going to lose a ton of distance. And then also with that being said, um, you know, he's going to hit a, b- a lot of balls foul. He's going to lo- miss a lot of opportunities. Like, you know, it's great. Like, you know, Johnny, you've hit a ball 110 miles an hour foul. That's, you know, still doesn't count, right? So um, that's a big issue as well. And then also with that being said, a big one with direction is when guys lack direction, they usually have issues with off-speed pitches. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, you know, that's that comes to my uh, ability to be, to be adjustable, right? And if I'm a little early, if I'm a little late, well, yeah, if I lack direction and then if I also lack spacing, you know, you're just setting yourself up in, in, in um, you know, holes that you're going to have big holes in your swing. Because again, if you're a little off, you're a little early, you're a little late, you're going to be missing those pitches. And, you know, again, coach has been talking about that for a while, but just more there's, there's movements and there is 
um, ways to create that that will absolutely help um, you know hitters hit. So, so when you you touch on the stability, um, obviously, if they have bad direction, generally they they struggle on breaking balls, which I struggled with that for a very long time. How would you formulate a plan to allow your players to become more stable and and more adjustable when you when you're examining their movement profile? Yeah, good too. Um, Bo, you're hitting me with the loaded questions today. Um, yeah, um, yeah. And so um, with that, when I'm trying to get them um, more stable through ranges, first off, it's getting getting them to move through those ranges more often, right? So if I get them to move to those ranges more often, the body will adapt to a demand um, and you can absolutely start to build some stability in those. Um, also, a big thing I'm trying to force is co-contraction. So co-contraction is uh, basically if you think of it like you're doing a bicep curl, if you're doing a bicep curl, you're not your bicep isn't the only muscle that's firing. You're also firing, you know, your forearms, you're also firing your triceps, you're also firing muscles in your shoulders, right? You're firing all of these other muscles that are co-contracting around a joint to make mm-hmm. it stable, right? We don't want to make sure like, you know, again, if I wasn't stable on the opposite side of the joint, if I went down and I just slammed past it, my, I would be tearing ligaments and, you know, breaking bones all the time, right? Um, I want to force co-contraction across joints to make them more stable. Uh, co-contraction can be caused by a multitude of different ways. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to start using some big words that sound nerdy, uh, but just uh, perturbations is a, yeah. <laughs> perturbations are very um, useful. So perturbations um, are like, basically, if you've ever seen somebody like tapping somebody, right, Mm -hmm. they do it with shoulders all the time, they like tap them from different sides of their arm. Those are called perturbations. Um, Also, another way to cause uh, co-contraction, which is another form, uh, you could say of perturbation, just because it's it's an external force that is causing this is a a constant change in direction with a um, an external force, which you could do like, um, you know, water, water is a great way of doing that. And what, how it comes like, again, like water balls, water bags, things like that. Uh, Franz Bosch talks about that quite a bit. Uh, you know, definitely the, the external forces of, again, it's, it's kind of like, again, like, um, when you're landing and there's things externally, uh, like again, where your balance is and how being able to co-contract and not your body being yanked certain directions. I use water for a bunch of stuff. And then also, you know, with that being said, that kind of, that kind of pulls in a lot of different things of, you know, how can I make it more, uh, less stable and you can all, I can add a whole, I just want to add noise to the system, right? Maybe I'm moving a lot of times you got to think about what causes, um, and helps us with balance. So if I want to cause an imbalance to force me to balance, right. I would take away those things that my body uses to balance, right. Yeah which would be again, you know, my visual system. So one thing I'll have guys is we do a whole bunch of things with balancing. Like, uh, we dude, I do a, a ton of stuff. Like some guys, some guys again, want to, um, you know, knock on, I've, there's, there's some guys that I think are really funny. Um, we talked about this before about, uh, their perceptions on BOSU balls and they're like, Oh, there'd have to be an earthquake and all these other things. It's like, look at the end of the day, we're trying to cause co-contraction. We're not, and we're trying to cause per uh, like when it comes to when you feel off balance, what your body does to balance, right? Mm-hmm. Those things are all important. While they might be an entry level progression, it's a, it's another variable to add to a your stimulus to get you to cause some other things to happen. So, like, yes, do you just do you use a Bosu ball and then you go and you say that's the end of it? Like, no, I use Bosu balls for a ton of things, and a lot of times it's just to build proprioception in guys' feet or their lower lower joints. 
Um, now, but with that being said, you can use a whole bunch of things. Like we use like Cortex boards. Uh, we use um, gyro boards. We use, um, again, a whole bunch of things with water. We do a whole bunch of things with uh, one leg right? A whole bunch of one-legged uh, bracing exercises mm-hmm. and things like that, that are constant, a whole bunch of drill work that goes around bracing um, and gaining uh, stability and co-contraction and, and certain moves. There's certain ways of you that you can create those uh, when it comes into um, bracing exercises and a, a multitude of drills uh, that we use to get guys to feel that move. We also, we also do a ton of things in our uh, strength and performance room. And, uh, it always comes back to, again, like how much noise, how many different directions, what planes of motion I can pull from, push from, um, add application of external, um, like stimulus in some way or another, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. to make guys be off balance. You can also mess with the, like I talked about with the, the visual system is we'll have guys like belts on foam rollers. And we like, we, I'll get like another foam roller, I'll get a PVC pipe and I'll move it like real close to them and buy them like throughout their uh, peripheral vision. Right. So like. Your peripheral vision is something that you use, um, you know, along with your your regular vision as well, is your ability to balance, right? Use your vision quite a bit. Like if you don't think that you do, like try to stand on one foot and just close your eyes. Like it becomes increasingly way, way harder, right? Mm-hmm. So um, use your, your vision to balance, which is also why we get seasick when we go out on water, right? Because what happens is we can't, because uh, we're moving, like the reason like when, uh, because you're moving and you can't. Uh, your body naturally actually starts to stabilize itself by using the vision. So when you can't see the coastline, that's why they tell people to stare at the coastline because it gives you a frame of reference for how to stay balanced. You can balance yourself rather than having the boat balance you and you kind of weigh back and forth. And then all of a sudden uh, you get, that's when you get seasick, right? Or Mm -hmm. uh, car sickness and things like that. When guys don't focus on something that is balanced, that is uh, externally of the car, it uh, you're actually Again, you're not going to stay as balanced inside your body, um, and and that's why that's really important. You could also um, play with when it comes to their ears, right? We use our ears to balance quite a bit too. So if you're you're playing like sounds and things in certain areas of their body, um, you're going to also cause some of that as well. We use our. That's why when guys have like ear aches or like they're, um, you know, when um, my my dad, this was actually an example. My my dad had uh, cancer was the same exact thing he had. Um, you know, had issues with his ears and because he had issues with his ears, it really threw him off balance. Um, yeah. so constantly he was always, you know, stumbling and things like that, uh, running into things because again, um, like your ears are a big part of you being able to create stability. Um, so again, if you want to change a lot of those things as you kind of look up into what the body uses to become balanced. And then you challenge those aspects of it. And then you add noise externally, again, from a multitude of different ways that we play with uh, to um, to do that. Man, you're handling these questions like a freaking champ today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got one more for you as we get towards the end here. If I'm tuning in and I'm, I'm realizing I'm a little bit behind the eight ball, um, some of these terms are going over my head. Uh, why don't you share a couple of resources that people can do? I know, I mean, like you said, there's really no prerequisite don't necessarily need a degree to learn something every day. So why don't you give us a couple of resources that some people can open up and start learning a little bit more about the human body. All right. I'm just going to use this opportunity to plug our website real quick, (laughs) (laughs) but no guys, uh, absolutely. You know, the system that farm, we launched a uh, membership portion, which we have a whole bunch of coaches that have done a 
um, great job of sharing their resources, what they're doing at practices. Um, they're going to challenge your brain of how they go about things. Um, you know, again, even if by looking at these plans, it gives you a better understanding of what people are, are training at these levels that some of these players that you're very interested in. Um, with that also being said, um, you know, I'll always come back to, for me, for example, um, I'm a, I have a, and I present, I presented on this at bridge the gap last year that out here at 108, it's an event that we host. Um, I presented on this as I talked about, um, you know, what I've used to grow myself over a period of time. So how that conversation started was I was actually talking to, um, the, uh, director of uh, player development for a organization. And he had asked me, he said, you know, how do you have, um, you know, how did you gain such a vast, you know, knowledge when it comes into biomechanics or how the body works or things like that. Um, and so that kind of got me thinking about what, uh, a pre, uh, you know, play like a presentation would be like when I was presenting to, um, a group of individuals, um, bridge, the, bridge the gap usually host every single, um, you know, we usually have a representative from every single team, um, there at those events. So that's a great networking event for you guys as well. If you want to jump on that, that actually usually comes up in um, around August. But in any case, that is a, another mindset before I get into that is that you guys, that's another big one is make sure that you're going to some of these bigger events when it comes to player development. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of them across the nation. Um, find a way to get to them when it comes to bridge the gap, when it comes to, you know, Florida Baseball Ranch has some, um, Texas Baseball Ranch has some, um, you know, I, ABCA, Palooza, all of those great resources for, you know, guys to uh, push themselves forward. Um, when going back into Bridge the Gap, I say one thing that was been a, the greatest resource for me, and this is something I was presenting on is just, you have to have, I challenge you guys to have an intentional growth plan. Okay. And when I first got challenged by that, by John Maxwell, uh, did I have a, an intentional growth plan? Um, he had the same issues. He, he, he had shared that he had the same thing when he was first challenged with that. He obviously didn't have one. Um, I didn't have one. And then now for the last, uh, I would say four, five years or so, um, I've had an intentional growth plan, things that I do every single day uh, to make sure that I continue to grow. Um, so um, I'll share with you my five and they don't have to be your five. These are just mine, right? These are what I use to make sure that I grow every single day. So I do five things every single day I read. Um, every single day I write every single day, I pray every single day. I ask questions, right. And every single day I love somebody. And uh, I actually just recently, uh, showed love. Um, I, I just recently changed my last one to love instead of change. It used to be change every single day. I used to change something, um, to continue that I grow. And again, those don't have to be yours. And the reason, um, I feel with like all of those, if I do all of those, um, and specifically the last one I just recently added when it comes to love is very important to me when it comes to growth is that I feel like when I love others and I show love to others and I take care of uh, the people around me, um, I grow in my relationship with God, which is very important uh, in my growth as an individual personally. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I absolutely, I make sure that it's like, they're like, those are check marks every single day that I make sure I go and I, I, I always do them at the end of the day. I have a, I have a journal that I write in, um, that I write those five down and I think about, did I do those five things today? Did I, again, did I read today? Did I write today? Obviously if I'm checking it off, I'm usually writing right then. Right. Did I pray today? Usually it's multiple times a day. So it's not really a, <laughs> not yeah. really a check off for me, but did I pray today? Did I ask questions, which is huge. 
you know, you, you start reflecting on your day. I'm, I'm telling you, there's a multitude of people that will go about their days and never ask a question the whole day that has to do with, you know, how they can get better, but more simplistic. It's not questions like, Hey, honey, did we buy milk today? Right. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about with questions. I'm talking about, did you ask a question that was going to get you better? Right. Did you ask a question today that made you a better coach or it grew you in certain ways? Right. Did mm-hmm. it, did that question grow you? Right. And then again, like, and then the loved one, the site like constantly, again, checking and holding myself accountable on a daily resource. Did I show love to somebody today? Unconditional love to somebody somehow, some way. Right. And, um, uh, those are check marks for me to make sure that I keep growing um, in different aspects in different areas of my life. And then also, you know, obviously resources wise, uh, you guys are already listening to one, you listen to a podcast right now. That's a great way I've grown myself uh, dramatically by some of these podcasts and relationships uh, that I've, that I've made over the years. And then um, uh, the last one I'll share with you guys is uh, again, like I told you guys, I read every day. Um, there is a ton of books on skill acquisition and biomechanics. And I mean, like I, I, I could list, I read so much in so many different books um, in so many different areas of my life when it comes to communication, when it comes back to um, taking in feedback, when it comes back into, um, you know, at mental toughness, when it comes back to leadership, when it comes to, again, biomechanics, skill acquisition, motor learning, uh, motor performance, um, all of those things. There's books on everything. There's books on everything, different perspectives, strength, uh, strength trainings, performance training, um, decision training. I mean, there's books for all these things that I've read things on. Um, so that is, again, something I do every single day. I try to make sure that I read for at least 20 minutes. Um, to be honest with you, I usually read about an hour. So yeah. uh, it's that's usually, but at least I try to make sure at least I read 20 minutes every single day. And that's not, you know, Twitter or you know, any of those other resources that you could use, uh, you know, that's, that's a great resource for you. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, again, if you're going to, uh, Twitter is kind of like, uh, digging for gold, right? Yeah. You're kind of like, you're digging through all this stuff and then finally, boom, maybe you find something Well, when you read a book, it's very intentional about what you're reading, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're reading a biomechanics book, okay, well, guess what? You're probably going to get biomechanics and you're probably going to learn something, right? Yeah. So like, that's different. They're not digging for gold. Um, so it, you know, I think that's a little bit different in some areas that I've used, uh, to progress myself when it comes to those things. And then, uh, Bo, if you want to share any resources that you have that I maybe didn't touch on. No, I mean, I think you, you summed a lot of that up. Um, I do, um, really from you challenging me, I do pretty much those on a daily basis as well. As far as resources, a big thing for me, Twitter was a big one for me. I, I hadn't utilized it necessarily. Um, when it comes to baseball, however, that can sometimes get me in trouble because, you know, you're scrolling through finding something about, you know, biomechanics. And the next thing you know, there's a video of Cardi B on there rapping or something. But um, that's a good one. And really, the biggest thing for me has been reading. I haven't been very consistent um, over the course of, you know, the last five years getting back on that wagon. But um, an- another big thing for me is uh, your network you know, reach out to people like you had mentioned. These conventions and these things that we go to is great, but even bigger than that is the relationships that we build and that we create there and, and reach out to people. I think you'd be surprised at um, how many people are willing to help um, putting this whole thing together for you guys as far as the website goes. People are willing to help you out. So if you have questions, if you need anything answered, I think you'd be surprised at how many people have that same question. And more importantly, how many people have that answer? So 
don't be afraid to use that network that you have. And, um, you know, other than that, I think you touched kind of hit the nail on the head and a lot of that. No, that's awesome. Those are good additions. Um, yeah, guys, like again, um, our, we just want to thank you guys for the website. We actually have some, uh, some guests lined up here that I'm excited about that are going to be very uh, beneficial here going forward as well. Uh, we like to mix those in. Obviously, we've started our unfiltered um, versions this year um, that we've been really excited about and getting a ton of back, uh, good feedback back about. Um, and then also, like I said, having on some of these guests that we think absolutely um, will continue to add value to you guys as well. Um, we're trying to line things up, things you haven't heard before, people you haven't heard from before. That always gives you guys an opportunity to reach out to us and tell us, you know, again, who is somebody, you know, that could really add value to us? Um, you know, someone that you really learned from, someone that's taught you a lot that you think that a lot of people could hear from and and learn a bunch from. Again, share those with us. Uh, we've had people on in the past that that's how we referen- they referenced us to them. And, uh, you know, we got them on. So that's definitely something you guys can do. Um, again, we just want to show a whole bunch of love for the, you know, all of our members. We had over 200 people already are, are signed up for um, our memberships. And so online, that's like perfect. Again, guys, it's free. I mean, I don't know. I, I, do I need to spell it, Bo? <laughs> F-R-E-E, free. We, are, we were going to charge for it. The thing is free. We have a whole bunch of resources on there, discount codes and um, discount codes and a whole bunch of practice plans. and. Uh, again, things from 108 when it comes to throwing or pitching or, um, you know, uh, we're, we have a whole bunch of resources for hitting. I mean, just it's just, again, if you're not taking advantage of something for free, then again, that's on you for not wanting to grow. Okay. That's one of the ways to grow. When guys are giving away things for free and especially something like that, go take advantage of it. It's free. Go do it. <laughs> All right. But until next time from us and our partners over at Rapsodo, Farm System out.